a lot of people relate Latin American women to not necessarily being the smartest. So that's not something that I deal with very constantly or consistently, but it's happened to me and it's something that really bothered me when I first got here. I try to ignore it now when it does come up. But uh, my advice for Latin American women out there and for women out there, because this it might not be just uh, limited to Latin American women, is just to prove them wrong. Hello, it's Marcy Bullock with season two of your favorite career readiness podcast. Learn tips on personal and professional development, hear inspiring stories of overcoming obstacles. I devote my life to helping other people figure out what to devote theirs to. This is Marcy Bullock with the most important five Ps. Stay present, trust the process, explore your path, release the pressure valve, and unleash your potential. Hello and welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. My name is Shade Proctor. I am a senior majoring in business administration with a concentration in information technology. And today we have a special guest for the Latinx Heritage Month Spotlight for this month's podcast. Today we have Andrea Vega. Andrea, hello. How are you? Hi, I am great. I'm really excited and really flattered to be here. It's definitely been quite a bit since I've heard from career ambassadors and I'm really happy that this is how I reconnected. Yeah, definitely. I was telling her earlier for everybody that's listening that it was just awesome when me and Marcy was coming up with the guest for today's spotlight. We was trying to find someone that has that Latin heritage that would be amazing for me to interview. And she was like, we got to get Andrea. And she was a former career ambassador while I was like a measly little sophomore in career ambassadors. And she is just the best guest we could find. So thanks again for joining us, Andrea. No problem. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So with that, let's go ahead and get started with the questions. So the first thing I would like for you to do, Andrea, is just introduce yourself to our audience. Just tell them who you are, where you work and what you've been up to since um, you graduated. Okay. Yeah. I, well, as you guys know, my name is Andrea. I graduated NC State last year in 2020, sort of at the beginning of the pandemic. I graduated uh, with a major in economics, a minor in statistics, and I also completed the data analytics honors program, which was a big determinant on what my career would be. Uh, Probably two months after Graduating, I started my job with Banco America and the Quantitative Managerial Associate Program. I had also interned in 2019 with Banco America in the same program. So it was really great to kind of have that continuity to my professional career. I completed my first rotation with the bank July, this past July 2021, with a contact center. And now I am in my second and last rotation with the Enterprise Credit Risk Group. Um, And in terms of who I am more personally, I am a Latin American woman. I was born and raised in Venezuela, Caracas to be specific. Um, I grew up there my whole life. I went to high school there, graduated high school and didn't move to the US until I decided to go to college at NC State. So I, although I've spent some very determinant years of my life in the U.S. and that have built me, have completely built me to be who I am right now. 
I also think that there is a huge part of me that will never not be Venezuelan and will, ne- will always hold that Hispanic Latin American heritage with me. Amazing. And that's exactly why we wanted to bring you on this podcast, because we didn't want to just get anyone that didn't have that experience of just being someone from a different place. So with that, we want to talk more about how basically your career, how did you get in your career and what it was like first starting out as a senior graduated in the pandemic? Just tell us a little more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that I was extremely lucky. Um, I know that a lot of my peers uh, in and outside of NC State, uh, since we graduated at the beginning of the pandemic, had a little bit of struggle uh, going into the professional world. As we all know, it was definitely, and it is still definitely a tough time. Uh, However, I was lucky enough uh, to have interned with Bank of America prior to the pandemic in the summer of 2019. Uh, I really enjoyed that experience. And luckily, I received that call probably a month after I finished my internship uh, with a job offer. So I do believe that I had an easier experience than everyone else in terms of graduating and going into the professional world while in a pandemic, given that prior to the pandemic, I had already um, kind of figured out what I wanted to do. I believe 100% that this is kind of like the fruits of the effort that I put in my junior year of college in getting this internship. I, I thank everyone every day because of this opportunity. Yeah, that's amazing. And you talked about how you felt your peers struggle and how it, it just was all in all hard with the pandemic. Would you say that was your biggest transition from going from student to full-time or is there anything else that you really struggle with transitioning as you left college? Wow. There's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of things that I didn't expect that were really difficult from transitioning from college to the working world. I think one of the biggest ones and on the personal side would be that you're going from this environment when you're surrounded 24 seven with your peers when your peers are at a walking distance, at a five-minute car ride distance, everyone has very light schedules in terms of classes don't take nine to five every single day of the week. So that was probably the biggest personal transition, not being always able to hang out with my peers, to have that support system that just was there all the time. I still have a great support system, but Everyone I surround myself with at this point has sort of graduated. So everyone has their own commitments and their own lives. A lot of people move away, et cetera. And in terms of professional life, I think one of the biggest changes uh, probably was the pandemic. Uh, Starting to work remote, uh, I really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I definitely think I learned almost as much as I would have as uh, in person. Um. But I think that this past year, I got very accustomed to working from home. And now that I'm back in the office, um, there's a lot of little disciplines that I've lost. Like throughout the past year, I think my routine kind of fell apart. I still got everything that I needed to get done done. But um, 
it was kind of a weird year, I'm sure, for everyone, not just people transitioning or people. Uh, it was just a weird year for everyone. The routine was sort of lost. And that's probably one of the biggest professional changes I have seen. Yeah, and I totally feel you. I actually, for myself, I did an internship this summer remote with SAS, and it was just pretty, it was awesome, but it's also pretty difficult just just have, being virtual and not just having that in-person, like, mentor to help you with, and you just have yeah. to kind of just, it's like a learning barrier. So I, I totally understand that. And that actually leads me to my next question. What is something that when you finally enter the work world, even though it's the pandemic and everything was just totally different, what was something that caught you off guard when you entered finally? Yeah. Uh, by the way, congratulations for uh, working with SAS this summer. This That's Thank an you. awesome for sure. Um, something that caught me off guard, I think um, there's a couple of things that caught me off guard for sure. But the main one would probably be how much more impact I have in my time management. I think in college, uh, you were used to having very strict deadlines every week. Like you have a test next week and a quiz next week and four homeworks for this weekend. You kind of have consistent deadlines. Whereas at work, uh, for both the rotations I've been in, it's more so either open deadlines or sort of like a long a long time from now deadline and I just have to manage everything that I need to complete by then on my own time, which is great because I think I know myself very well at this point and know what I can accomplish in a certain amount of time. So I know how to space out the work. However, that was probably something that caught me really off guard at the beginning and not in a bad way. I just think that at the beginning, I might have rushed through things that I didn't need to rush or might have not realized how much work something would uh, entail until I was really close to the deadline. So that's something that really caught me off guard when I started working. But it definitely, I think I definitely got it under control now. Yeah, and I think it's great that you mentioned um, basically how it was like when you left and how it changed from college to your career now. So that leads me to this question. How much of the job you are doing did you actually learn in college because you know sometimes you learn uh, all these crazy things in college and it, you never use it so how much did you actually use and I see you shaking your head so I want to hear this my god <laughs> that's honestly a question that I wish I could like ask like I could answer to myself while I was in college because I definitely had that question I was doing homework and being like am I actually gonna use any of this and I'm a numbers person uh, so I want to put it in a percentage. I think 30% of the work I do is from things I learned in college. However, I will say that that 30% is essential for me to be able to do that other 70%. So the base knowledge that that 30% implies in terms of statistics, in terms of coding, in terms of uh, financial knowledge, it's very much the base of everything else I've learned through the job. But if we are being completely real, uh, I believe that any job that you do is gonna be like that. You need that base fundamental knowledge that you get in college, but most of the work you do is gonna be very company specific or work specific. So 
um, I do think that all that I learned in college was useful, mostly. Um, but I will say most of the stuff you're going to do, I, at least in my case, is going to be, you're going to learn it while at the job. Uh, that's definitely, that definitely gives me some hope that what I'm learning is not totally useless. Um, just from what I see working where I'm at, it's just like most things you learn is definitely what they teach you. And, but having that knowledge is definitely helpful. Um, so with that, as we talked about, there's people just like you were a year ago about to enter their first career, um, just trying to find that job offer. Tell me, how did you manage looking for your job offer? How did you deal with rejection? What advice would you give to your graduating self? Just tell me about that experience before you actually got your job offer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I... I'm going to go back to junior year since I was pretty happy with my full-time offer coming from the internship. So, however, I did, I didn't skip that whole rejection process at all. I went through that for sure my junior year when I was applying to internships. And so I remember I applied to a good amount of internships and the first last interview that I got so like my first last round of an interview that I got was with John Deere which I wasn't um I like the company I thought it would be a cool position I was very interested however it wasn't something that I had uh, thought a lot about before but it was my first last round interview so I was extremely stoked I thought okay this is hopefully fingers crossed gonna land me at least one offer which is a good starting point you know uh, this was also fall semester still, so I was hoping I was going to get a couple acceptance letter, letters and then from there uh, decide what I wanted to do. Uh, obviously, I had very high hopes. I ended up getting uh, about three offer, two offers, actually, uh, but none from John Deere. So John Deere was my first rejection, and I remember getting the email while I was at a philanthropy event for my sorority and I started bowling. I went to my room and I was just crushed. And my friends were asking me like, did you, did you even want this job? And I was like, I don't really, didn't really love the company that much. It was just a feeling of, am I not good enough? You know, I feel like everyone has been through that. I'm sure uh, you know about it. It's not like when you get that first rejection letter, it's very heartbreaking. However, after talking to my dad, who is the wisest man I know, uh, he kind of got me to understand. And honestly, I further understood this once I got job offers or internship offers that I actually did want. Sometimes those rejection letters are not because you're not good enough or because they don't think that you're smart or because they don't think that you're worth their time. It's because they see that it might not be a fit. And it clearly wasn't. I wasn't passionate about the opportunity. I wasn't passionate about the company. I was just looking for an offer. And at the end of the day, I don't think it would have been a good match. I don't think it would have been a, an internship that I thoroughly enjoyed as much as I did with Bank of America. So I guess that's kind of the bottom line and my advice to everyone. Uh, rejection letter doesn't, say anything about you just say something about your connection with the company yeah I think that's amazing advice just for 
all these seniors or even upcoming juniors that's about to be seniors looking for their first job, just knowing how to find instead of getting any offer, just finding what you're passionate about and something that you're actually going to be a great fit for. I think that's amazing advice. And actually, I kind of wanted to go into talking a little bit about career ambassadors since that's what we're kind of, you know, having common. So just a quick question about that. What have you used in your career that attribute back to being a career ambassador. So any skills that you got from that program or any just knowledge you found, you you learned from there that you was able to implement and use as a person that's in a career now, what from the career ambassador program has helped you? Honestly, this is a question that I, I, I knew beforehand uh, that you were going to ask and I actually sat on it. And I didn't realize how many things I had taken from the program until I actually sat on the question and thought about it. I think the best and biggest one is probably uh, the ability to communicate well. Um, not so much only because, as you know, as your ambassadors, we used to do a lot of presentations, public speaking, which, yes, I do a fair amount. I present some projects, I present some findings, but I think that even when you're just listening to someone's presentation or you're talking to your manager or someone in your team, you want to be able to get messages across effectively and professionally. And I think career ambassadors absolutely is what built that ability in me 100%. And I guess a secondary thing that was a, one of the greatest takeaways from career ambassadors um was uh, kind of like the profession, how to behave, how to uh, carry myself in the professional environment. I know that sometimes the meetings we had were casual. We didn't really have to come and dress professionally, but it kind of taught us the standard. I feel like with each other, with the presentations that we did, with the uh, people that came to talk to us, with the speakers that we had, I, it, it was just a lot of knowledge that I didn't realize had just stuck in the back of my brain. And nowadays I just not take it for granted, but I don't realize like this is a privilege that knowing all this, not everyone gets to know this and it's because of career ambassadors. Yes, yes, I totally agree. And I just, everything you said, I identified everything you said. I just remember when I first started, I was like, again, like a measly little sophomore who's like in over her head. And now I can just see how much confidence I have just being able to present and talk professionally. So yeah, I definitely agree that uh, career ambassadors definitely helps a lot. So with that, we're going to go ahead and dive into our Latinx Heritage Month question. Um, so you already told us a little bit of how you identified um, as a Latin woman in America. So let's talk about, are there any struggles that you have overcome as a Latin woman in America? Like anything that you would like to talk about or any advice you would like to give to someone just like you coming up as a young child or a young student? What have you overcome? Um, I think uh, there's two things I have in mind that pop in my head at first thought. Um, the first one, the most obvious one that everyone might be able to already hear is my accent. I don't think I have an accent personally, but everyone tells me I do. Uh, and that's something that I thought when I first got here, I wanted to eventually get rid of. However, I've learned that A, that's not gonna happen and B, I don't want that to happen. I think 
it's something that defines me. I've gotten over uh, the hump, I guess, of that my English wasn't as good. I believe my English has improved a lot, uh, but that's completely independent of my accent. That I think that was kind of the big realization. That's kind of like where uh, I'm tying the struggles I had to an advice. Uh, it was a struggle at the beginning, but I realized it didn't need to be. It's something that defines me. And I, I really love it now. I don't ever want it to go. So I'm hoping it doesn't. Another thing that kind of uh, captures um, being not only Latin American, but a Latin American woman in the U.S., uh, those are two groups that overlap uh, because of uh, certain stereotypes um, in general. I believe in different settings of my life, people have underestimated my intelligence. Perhaps not so much because I'm a Latin American woman. Some people tell me that it's because I am just a little bubbly and funny, but I think that there is always going to be slightly an overlap. It's because I'm funny and bubbly, but maybe it's also because I'm a Latin American woman. A lot of people relate Latin American women to not necessarily being the smartest. So that's not something that I deal with very constantly or consistently, but it's happened to me and it's something that really bothered me when I first got here. I try to ignore it now when it does come up, but uh, my advice for Latin American women out there and for women out there, because this it might not be just uh, limited to Latin American women, is just to prove them wrong. That's it. I, I love that advice of prove them wrong. And that's really all you really can do is just prove them wrong. Just make sure you have the tools necessary to succeed. I love that question. I'm definitely going to spotlight on that. So with that, let's just go ahead and jump to our last question. So imagine you, Andrea, are in the year 2041. What advice would you give to yourself at this age? Oh, I have a couple. Uh, probably invest and save your money wisely. I'm sure that'll be appreciated. Also, stop worrying. I believe I worry a lot about Many things, as do as does anyone in their twenties. I think it's pretty common to worry when you're beginning to build the foundation of your life. It seems very overwhelming, and it seems like every stage that I go through in life has been or has seemed overwhelming. And once I'm past it, I'm like, you didn't have to be that worried about that. So I'm sure in 2041, I hope I could tell myself to stop worrying so much. So, yeah. Amazing advice. Thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us for today's podcast. Thank you so much.